It's great to catch up with each other and say hi to friends and to uh, new people. If you're uh, visiting us this morning, it's great to have you amongst us. And uh, please do stick around at the end of our meeting. Um, we've got tea and coffee that we'll serve, and people hang around and chat. So we would love to get to know you some more. Um, my name is Mark Rushworth, and uh, it's my pleasure to be uh, here this morning preaching. And whether you're here in person at Clark Street or you're online, uh, so good to have you join us. I'm going to be preaching from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and we've made it to verse 17 of chapter 4. Um, we're getting through this. Uh, we're actually at a pivotal, 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 pivotal point in this letter. Bit of a tongue twister. Um, Paul spent a lot of time outlining who we once were, who we now are. Now we've been made alive in Christ. He's talked about the church and uh, the importance of everyone playing their part in the church, being part of the body, being united together. He's talked about how he's established the church um, with everyone participating and with apostles and prophets and uh, evangelists and pastors and teachers all encouraging us and strengthening us in how we relate with one another and those outside of the church. And now Paul is going to be starting to get really practical and uh, he's strongly appealing to the church uh, about a life and how a life in Christ needs to be lived. And he hopes the church will see it and be convinced that a change has to come once you're in Christ. And at this point onwards, the letter's pretty much him working out all of the details about that. He's going to get into some real specific things. So um, anyway, here we are. Let's look at verses 17 through 24 this morning, and uh, we will read that together. Um, it's on the screen if you haven't got a Bible. It says this, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. All right, so when we were in verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul was uh, strongly urging us, he was urging the Ephesians to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. He's encouraging them, he's encouraging us as we read it uh, now. And when I preached on this passage uh, a few months ago, I made the point that Paul wasn't setting out new commandments. He wasn't saying, okay, here's a list of rules. He was urging them, he was exhorting them. But you might say, well, hang on, Mark, now he's got to verse 17. He's saying, I insist on it in the Lord. I insist on this. Seems like he's getting pretty heavy. Seems like he's, uh, you know, it's not just urging anymore. Well, Paul, it, it's true. He's certainly stressing the importance of what he's saying because he knows that it's so completely and utterly essential that our lives change in the light of what Christ has done for us and in the calling that we now have in him. 
But this word insist um, actually probably isn't the best word. Uh, if you look at all the other translations, they don't use that word insist. Um, it does sound as though he's like forcing us to do something. Um, but the word is, is more better translated testify. I testify in the Lord. I affirm in the Lord. Um, he's stressing the truth of what he's saying. He's saying, look, it's really important that you, that you change. He's urging. He's exhorting. He's doing it with some strength. He's doing it with some conviction. Um, but we're going to see, uh, even in this passage, how it's different than coming up with a new set of laws. So what is it that Paul is strongly urging here? That you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Don't live as the Gentiles do. Now, I wonder if any of you have spotted something that's a little odd about that sentence as he's writing to the Ephesian church. Anyone figure out what it is that's odd about him saying, don't live as the Gentiles live? It's not the easiest of things to spot, but it's, it's there. Anyone want to try? They are Gentiles. He's writing to Gentiles. He's not, li he's not writing to a Jewish church. He's not saying, okay, come on, come on, people. Don't live as these people live. He's writing to Gentiles. And he's saying, don't live as the Gentiles do. Well, so what's the alternative? What's he saying? Live like the Jews under the law? I mean, Paul was a Jew. Is that what he's getting at? Well, no, because you don't have to read much of Paul's writing to know that he's not going to be saying that at all. In, in Galatians, in his letter to Galatians, he says these things. He says, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And in chapter 3, he says, You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish it by works of the flesh? And then in verse 10, he says, All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. He's not wanting the, Gen the Gentiles, he's not wanting the Ephesian Gentiles to start living the way the Jews did under the Jewish law, under the Jewish covenant. So what is he saying? What he's saying is don't live as part of your own culture. Don't live as part of your own culture because you're no longer in that culture anymore. You're not part of that culture anymore. You're part now of the kingdom of God. You're part of a new culture. You've come into a new culture. It can be a challenging thing to hear. It would have been challenging for the Ephesians, I would imagine. It's a bit like if I came and stood here this morning and said, I insist you stop living like Canadians. And you might think, well, hang on. <laughs> stop living like a Mexican. <laughs> you might think, hang on, are you saying you should be... Are you telling me you seem to be British? Are you, are you saying you should be more British? Tempting. <laughs> but actually, British culture is no better than Canadian culture. I wouldn't be saying that either. That's not what I mean. And what about, his, what about teenagers who are Christ followers? Paul would be saying, don't live as teenagers do. Well, I am a teenager. I'm part of youth. Don't live as part of youth culture. You've got to come out of that. Don't live the way... But that doesn't mean, oh, do I have to be like older people? No. 
but don't be part of the culture of the world. What Paul's saying is we actually need a clear understanding of the culture that we're living in. We need to understand the culture that we're living in with all of its value systems. And we need to take ourselves and detach ourselves from it. We need to be separate from it. I guess a way that it's been said before is be uh, in the world but not of it. You know what? A lot of the time we don't like to do that because we're often very comfortable with our culture. Even as Christians, we're very comfortable uh, with our culture. Most of the time, we don't even question it. We just kind of think it's normal. A bit like when, you, uh, when, you, when you're young and you think the way that your family is and the way that you've been brought up in your family, you just think it's normal. And then you get older and you meet other people and you think, actually, it's not normal at all. <laughs> Because every, everyone's different. You just think it's normal. <laughs> That's what we're like with our culture. So when, when people move here to Canada from elsewhere, as Canadians, we can think, well, we do things, we do things the best way. You know, you need to change. Now, now you're Canadian. So you need, to be, you need to live like Canadians. And in some ways, that kind of thinking makes sense. But what we need to realize is Paul saying, well, now you've come into the kingdom of God. So now you need to change. You need to, you need to be a member of the kingdom of God. You need to live like that. Because the kingdom of God has its own culture and its kingdom culture. And it's completely different to any other culture on the face of the earth. Some people have said the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. Actually, the truth is our culture whichever culture we're part of, has got things upside down. Our Canadian culture has got things upside down. Our youth culture has got things upside down. British culture, upside down. Mexican culture, upside down. All of these cultures, they've all got things upside down. Kingdom culture is the right way. And if we don't realize that we've become part of a new kingdom, that we've been set free, we've been, we've been born into something else, then actually we're going to probably just keep most things the way they were. And we'll just add a few things to it. Okay, we'll, we'll add going to church. We'll add prayer. We'll add reading the Bible. We might just think, oh gosh, there's all of these things in our life, and now we're just adding a few others. Life's getting pretty busy. It's getting a little overwhelming, but we love Jesus, so we'll try and make it work. But other than that, it could be that nothing changes. We might have all the same values that we had before. We might do all the same activities that we did before. We might find the same movies enjoyable that we used to find enjoyable. If we're young, we might find the same things funny as other teenagers, and we might get a bit embarrassed about the bad language in them, but oh, no, they're still kind of funny. Um, we, and even as we're older, we might find that. We, we might parent the way others do in culture. We might have similar views to the rest of culture as how marriages should be or relationships should be. We might think the same way about money uh, as others and work. All of these things, family. In other words, we're just adding God. We're just adding God to our existing culture. But it won't work. It won't work because it gets too awkward for us because Jesus doesn't fit too well into our youth culture. Jesus doesn't fit too well into our Canadian culture. In the end, we end up being a bit embarrassed about Jesus. It's just like, oh gosh. So we end up sometimes living this double life. We end up having a double life. We'll be one thing with church folk on a Sunday, 
and then we'll be something different and fit in with our school friends, our work colleagues, the rest of the week. Paul's saying we have to take more radical action than that when we're in Christ. He says we need that clear view of our culture and everything people take on board as normal and don't live like that any longer because we're part of a new kingdom culture. He goes on in these verses to explain why we shouldn't live as the Gentiles do. He gives five things, actually. He says, firstly, their thinking is futile. Their thinking is futile. In Romans 1.21, Paul says, when sin came into the world and people became godless, he said their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. The general way that people think about life is futile. Why? Because, because God's out of the picture. So whole worldviews are constructed. Whole ways that we think is constructed apart from God, and it leads to nothing. Many of those who are even the smartest in our societies have a mental block when it comes to God, and so they end up saying foolish things. I think you're well-educated. You've got master's de you know, degrees and you, you've got master's and all of these things. You're even uh, you know, well-respected in society. Saying foolish things. Statements are made about marriage and lifestyle and tolerance and all sorts of other things. But if you take God out of the picture, it's all foolish and pointless and futile. Society is falling apart. People's mental health is deteriorating to an extraordinary extent, especially teenagers. And yet so-called wise people just double down on philosophies of living, godless philosophies, and things don't get any better. The writer to the Ecclesiastes, summing up his, the whole of the, of the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, he basically says, I've tried lots of things. I've worked hard to gain riches. I've done all of these things, but in the end, it's all meaningless. In the end, it's all meaningless. Everything I've given my heart to has left me feeling defeated and disappointed. He says it's like a chasing after the wind. Bono says, saying, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. For those who are even older, Keith Green, I'm saying this for Tim, by the way. Keith Green said, you can run to the end of the highway and not find what you're looking for. There's a searching for meaning in life. There's a searching for for, for fulfillment in life, and people don't find it. Some people work incredibly long hours, incredibly long hours, so they can buy things, because that's where they feel they're going to find meaning. They buy these, many things, devices, which after the initial excitement leaves them feeling less of a person than they were before. And they, they feel, well, the only way I'm going to find that fulfillment is well, I need to buy the newer model. I need to get the new thing. Maybe this is where I'm going to find it. And so you buy that, and the same happens again. And you accumulate all of this stuff, all of these things, and then eventually you die and you leave it all behind. And it's futile. People aren't looking for the long term, everything's short-term fulfillment, it's all meaningless. Paul says they're darkened in their understanding. The lights have gone out. The way people are living doesn't make sense. People are groping about in the darkness, trying to figure out a way forward. How can I go? What, what shall I do in life? But it's dark. You can't do that. If you keep walking around in the dark, you're going to keep falling over. You can't see. 
two universities in this city, lots of intellectual people here, but intellect without God is still darkness. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. Without him, there's much darkness. People are separated from the life of God, Paul says. They're unaware of his existence. They're without hope. They're without God in the world. It's not what we were created for. And there's something in everyone's heart. God set eternity in the heart of men. There's something in everyone's heart that knows that. And people are searching. They're longing for a relationship. They're longing for love. They're longing for acceptance. Without it, there's an emptiness. I was playing table tennis with someone the other day. And uh, as I was, I was playing, and I w we were chatting about all sorts of things, and I actually asked him, he's, his family had moved from uh, Lebanon over to Canada a number of years ago, and so I was asking him, I said, oh, are they from a, a Christian background? Are they from a Muslim background? He said, oh, well, they're from a Christian background. He said, he said for me, actually, he said, I'm an, I'm an agnostic. And then he said, I'm still looking for the truth. And then he said, have you found it? Uh, I, I'm just playing table tennis, like, whoa, okay, this conversation's taken a, a sudden turn. But he, he was honest about it. He said, I'm still searching for the truth. He's looking for it. Hopefully, I was able to say some things which help him on his road. People need to know that Jesus is the truth. And more than that, he brings us to our Heavenly Father, where we find full acceptance. But without him, we're separated from the life of God. We're separated from the life of God due to the hardening of their hearts. People's hearts are hardened. Many people now, they're not actually open to the truth of the gospel. They're not open to Jesus like my friend was. They've hardened themselves to him. They've rejected the answer to their greatest need because their hearts have been hardened. And the more we reject Jesus, the more we reject his stirrings, the stirrings towards him that the Holy Spirit produces in us, the more hardened we'll get. I've known people who've come to church meetings, to gatherings like this. The first time they come, if they don't know Jesus, they, they'll, they'll know there's some, the something. They'll, they'll experience something of the Holy Spirit. They'll experience something of God. It might leave them feeling very uncomfortable. I've known people come into church meetings and they've been crying, not just because they feel love, but be just, I'm uncomfortable with, with my life. I, I, I don't feel I fit here. Well, we need to come to that understanding that there's something in us that needs to change. But after a while, if they don't respond to Jesus, if they don't respond to the love of God, if they don't turn from their old way of life, actually hearts can get hardened. I've known teenagers where that can happen. You might have come to church all your life. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning as, a, as a, a, a young person, as a child, and your family have brought you to church, and it's just like, oh, okay, it's just sitting through it. It's just getting through the meeting. It's an hour, an hour and a half, two hours every, every Sunday. I guess I've got to get through, but our hearts harden. Things just bounce off us. We're not really taking them on board. Nothing touches us. Even then, you're not without hope because Jesus, the Spirit of God, can soften even the hardest hearts. And people give themselves over to lust, sensuality, and greed, Paul says. Because we were, ex 
created to experience and express love and desire, if we don't find a true way to do that, actually we're outworking in other more destructive ways. There's a continual desire in people for more and more things which don't produce goodness and righteousness in us. Might be Netflix shows which are more and more graphic and violent and sexually explicit and depraved. And there's just that continual lust for more, more nudity in shows, more violence. Teenagers are drawn to these sort of things, but the rest of us are too. We feed on these things day in, day out. We feed on social media, watching reel after reel. We feel we have to consume more of the same. Even though we know we're not feeling what we want to feel, it's kind of dulling our emotions. It's our dulling our sensitivities inside. No, we need more. We need more. We need more. We withdraw from life. We play video games endlessly. We binge watch TV shows. We give ourselves over to just our feelings and our appetites. And we know in the end they're just going to leave us more and more empty inside. But we can't seem to stop. That's just what we keep going back to. All these things, they're expressed differently now to how it was in Ephesus in the first century, but in some ways there was a lot of similarity. Paul's saying, don't live any longer as the Gentiles do. Don't live any longer as Canadians do. Don't live any longer as young people do. See where things are heading and then reject them. Paul's not saying... He's not talking about just tinkering with, with the system. He's talking about changing our whole worldview. He's talking about our need to totally change and see what's happening in the world around us. Otherwise, we're just going to embrace so many things in our culture without any question. But kingdom culture thinks differently about everything. Everything. We reevaluate what we think about everything, about money relationships, family, parenting, social media, sports, TV shows, movies, mindfulness, enneagrams, rights and wrongs of sharing our faith, roles of men and women, sexuality, assisted dying, abortion, Christmas, alcohol, pursuit of pleasure, the list goes on. And this, is, this isn't a list just of all things that are wrong. It's just it's like we think differently about all of these things. As we, as we think about it from a Christian worldview, from a kingdom worldview. We need to see how we can clearly live differently as Christ followers. Paul says, that is not the way of life you learned when you learned about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. Paul's setting out an alternative way. But it's not a new set of rules. It's not a new set of laws to live by. It's not just rights and wrongs. He directs us to a person. He says, no, it's about Jesus, Jesus Christ. We haven't just come to him for him to tell us what we should and shouldn't do. Otherwise, we're just where the Jews were in the old covenant. No, we've come into something new. We've come into a relationship with a savior. We've come to someone who can turn our lives around. He's alive. He died and rose again, and we can know him personally. In him, we can live in a different way. We don't just think, what would Jesus do? I don't know if any, did you used to have those? We used to, in England, we used to have those little wristbands. Did you have them here? WWJD. People used to wear them. Still, some have still got them. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> you know, if we just think, what would Jesus do? Actually, if we're not careful, that gets us back into legalism. And, and people all disagree anyway. You know, oh, Jesus wouldn't have watched those TV shows, so we shouldn't watch them. Jesus wouldn't have gone to those places. We shouldn't go to those places. And then other people said, Jesus would have gone to those places. He would have gone to reach people. And, oh, okay, and well, what would Jesus have done? That's, that's not really what it's about. The, the question is more, what is Jesus doing now as we're in relationship with him? Because we're in him. And his spirit is in us. We know him. We're getting to know him more. We're walking with him. We sense when he's saying yes and when he's saying no. We're understanding his will through the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit leading us. It's about a living relationship. Not a set of rules. It's about a living relationship. So Paul says, give yourself to this new relationship. Give yourself to who you are now in Christ. You can cut off your old way of life. He says, put it off. He said, it's like old clothing, which don't, you don't need to wear it any longer. Have you ever had any clothing that you've just had for years and years and you've not wanted to throw out and you just keep wearing it? Maybe an old sweater. Now, when we moved from the UK, actually, we got rid of a lot of our old stuff. So there's not much that I have. But I was thinking back, do I have some clothing that I've had for years? And I, and I figured I did. And I've got this. I, I do like this. Um, I've got... <laughs> I've got this, this, this sweatshirt. I still wear this. I'm going to wear this this afternoon. I'm going to play tennis. I'm going to wear it. I've had this for, I think I've had this about 25 years. It's worn pretty well. It was when I was still a medium. And uh, <laughs> I've got some pictures. I found some pictures. Now, the pictures only go back about 18 years um, or 17 years. There I am. There's me. On the left, I'm wearing this. Now, I, I'm not quite sure why I made that. I didn't have kids at the time. I just, just decided to make a sand sculpture. <laughs> and there's me. And there's, there's me with Grace. Now, that's when uh, we first met Grace. And uh, there she is. And I'm wearing this sweater, and I look a lot younger. And, uh, <laughs> but I've still got the sweater. <laughs> now, well, that's not too bad. I've, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. But, uh, but for some of us, actually, Debbie made me get rid of all my more embarrassing things when we moved. <laughs> She could tell you about it, because they were so unfashionable. Um, <laughs> but to be honest, Paul isn't saying, maybe you could all find out who's got the oldest clothing, and, and we, could, we could see. To be honest, Paul's not saying get rid of your old clothing because it's out of date. He's not saying get rid of it because it's unfashionable. He's actually saying get rid of it because, to be honest, it stinks. It stinks. You know, it's like... Now, so here's a different picture. Maybe you really like the clothing you've got and you just wear it all the time and you don't even want to wash it because you just want to wear it the whole time and then day after day and it just gets more and more smelly. You don't realize how bad you smell. You just kind of feel quite comfortable. Paul's saying, look, these clothes that you're wearing, they're being corrupted. They're decaying. They're foul. They're putrid. I mean, really, they're like grave clothes. He's saying, take them off. I mean, and you just, we just keep going on the same habits day after day, like wearing the same old clothes. He's like, no, take it off. Take them off. And it's a once and for all thing. We take off the clothes, and we don't just take them off 
and hang them in the closet. We get rid of them. Don't hang them in the closet. Don't think, oh, I'll put it in. Maybe I'll come back to it one day. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll wear them again one day. No, 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 no. Paul's like, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Sometimes we do that with clothes, don't we? We just keep them for another day. We think maybe, maybe it'll come in useful one day. Or other items. Last year as a, as a staff, we, we went into this warehouse in the back, and it was before 12 neighbors were getting established in there, and we felt we were going to have to clear out. We had a lot of things from, came from Brunswick Street when we had with the building there, and they'd been put in cupboards and attics and things, and we brought them all here, and then they were all here, and we thought we've got to figure them out. We've got to come. It was very interesting to see the different attitudes of different ones of us on staff. Some of us would have thrown everything out, even useful things, would have all gone. Others of us would have kept pretty much everything in case it came in useful one day. I'm going to leave you to figure out who that is. <laughs> and, and, and I'm giving extremes. It wasn't quite that extreme. Yes, it was. <laughs> I was being kind. <laughs> but Paul's saying, just get rid of the stinking clothes. Just get rid of them. Don't save them in case you might come back to it one day. In case things don't work out, oh, I'll just come back to these comfortable things. He's saying, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Some of us might have been challenged by Jesus about things in our life. That Jesus is saying, you know what? I want you to, I want you to deal with that. I want you to walk away from that. I want you to get rid of that in your life. It's unhelpful to you. Or maybe it's an idol. I want you to get rid of it. Maybe they're friendships or relationships that you know need to end. Okay, end them. Get rid of them. Don't kind of cling on to them in some ways. Don't say, okay, well, I won't see you in person, but I'll keep in touch by, by message. No. Maybe they're apps on your phone, which are just unhelpful. Delete them. Delete your profile. Don't leave the app there in case one day it might be good to go back to it. There might be any number of things that God might have been speaking to you about. Anything. Any idols which take first place over God. Get rid of them. Be ruthless. Throw out the stinky clothes. Don't be half-hearted in receiving Christ. We've just sung a song, haven't we, today? You called my name and I ran out of that grave. And when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, what was the thing he said to them? Take off the grave clothes. Take off the grave clothes. We're not coming back to the life we used had, once had. We're getting rid of those grave clothes. They stink. You've got a new set of clothes to wear. They're wonderful. They fit you perfectly. And they're perfectly clean. You don't ever need to go back to the old ones. We need to see for ourselves that all of this other things, all this in our culture is promising something that cannot be delivered. And so we have to say, no, we're putting that off. Deceitful desires, they can't deliver. But the righteousness of God truly delivers. It's not a new set of rules, it's a new life. We're called to live a new life. Be like God. Live like God in Christ. And when we do that, we don't fight anymore. We don't fight God anymore. We're not holding on to things that we, that we feel are important to hold on to. We're teachable because we're made new. 
We don't argue back and say, well, I don't believe Scripture says about that. No, it fits us. I mean, none of it means we're made perfect. None of us are perfect. We'll always battle with things. We're made new and we're being made new. It's the now and the not yet. When Jesus returns, we will be made perfect. For now, we still battle. We battle with sin. We battle with temptations. We battle with desires. But when we're new, when we're made new, we know in our heart, actually, we want to pray. We want to be holy. We want the Spirit of God working in us. When we hear what God has for us, somewhere inside, we know, actually, that's what we want. We might have all sorts of things telling us, we can't do that, you can't do that, can't do that, that's not going to work. But you think, oh, this is what I want, though. This is what I want, this is what I want, because God's put it in our heart. Other things just get in the way. Cultural assumptions, temptations, take them off. They stink. Once you become aware you're wearing them, take them off. Put on the new self. And it's not an option. It's not just an option. Paul almost insists on it in the Lord. He's strongly urging us because the church, the church has a crucial world. Sorry, the, the church has a crucial role to play in the destiny of the world. This church, this church has a crucial role to play in the destiny of Fredericton. Because people's eternal destiny hangs in the balance. And the church has to come through into its intended role and purpose and cutting edge. Otherwise, people are lost. It's no good having Christians just looking the same as everyone else in society. We can't just be indistinguishable from everyone else. Christians as messed up as everyone else. Christians whose relationships are as unsatisfactory as people around. Christians whose marriages are struggling as much as anyone else. Christians whose kids are as disobedient as the neighbor's kids. Paul says, come on, we're coming out of all of that. Let's reject it. Let's come into something so much better. Let's get rid of the old clothes. Let's put on a new lifestyle. And Paul's going to go on and he's going to spell out what it looks like. Speak truthfully. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let filthy talk come out of your mouth. All of these things, but we need to understand the context of him saying those things. We need to understand that all of this can only work when our minds and our hearts are changed, when we understand how important it is and how we can change because we're made new, because God changes us as we put on Christ and we start living with him. So why don't we stand and let's just pray together. I'd love to invite the band to come back up and we'll worship some more. But I'd love to pray for us that we get hold of this. So easy, so easy just to slip into the way that everyone else is living. And uh, we are to live in the world. We're not to take ourselves out of the world. But we've got to understand God's given us a different culture. So Father God, I just pray. I just want to pray that you'll come and you'll help us to get hold of this. Lord, we can get so overwhelmed and there can be so many things that we just take on board. We just take on board and values that we don't even think about. But Lord God, I just pray in your grace and in your mercy, you just highlight things to us. Lord, we may not be able to see everything all at once in our lives. But Lord, I pray you'll speak by your spirit to us. I pray there'll be things that you, even now, 
Maybe just one or two things that you're highlighting that we're thinking, oh, do you know what? I've just slipped into the way of thinking about this like everyone else. I'm just thinking I'm going to have to live and fit into youth culture. I'm just going to have to fit in in this way. Maybe you're speaking to us and you're saying, you know what? You can take that off because I've got something better for you to wear. I've got something fresh and new and clean. Maybe there's habits and things that you are doing and you keep going back to them. Keep going back to them like, like comfortable clothes, but you hadn't realized just how much they stink. And God's saying, take it off. Take it off. Father God, will you come? Will you help us to do that by your Holy Spirit? Will you give us your grace and mercy and forgiveness and the new life that you have for us? Let us throw off those grave clothes as we run out of the grave and into the new life that you have for us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's... Uh,